It's time for Comfort, Peace, and Freedom with Ken Rusk. Ken's guest this week is Laura Castleman. Laura started out in a small town with big dreams. Ken and Laura will talk about how she became a Radio City Rockette, a CEO, and best-selling author. They'll cover some of the great information from Laura's best-selling book, Trust Your Increments. Now, here's your host, Ken Rusk. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Comfort, Peace, and Freedom podcast. I'm Ken Rusk. Each week, I try to interview world-class personalities about exactly what it takes to become successful and their thoughts on my three favorite words, comfort, peace, and freedom. So let's get right to it. Laura Castleman, welcome to the Comfort, Peace, and Freedom podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing super. How about yourself? Oh, it's just fantastic. We talked off camera a little bit about our daughters. You have a three-year-old. I have a 27-year-old who just made me a grandfather. And we just talked about life and how fast that goes. I mean, I'm sure you can remember when she was just born and here's three years later, right? It it blows my mind when I look at her and I'm like, it's like a full person now. I mean, she was just this little (laughs) ball of baby mess and now she's a full person with with attitude and opinions. Oh yeah. (laughs) And and, and wait till she comes down the stairs dressed by herself for the first time and you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. all right. Mm -hmm. She's done that. (laughs) <laughs> I know she doesn't necessarily want me to carry her into school anymore. She's like, I can walk in on my own mom. I'm a big girl. And it, it hurts your heart a little bit, but you're also proud of them because that's the whole point is to raise these independent, stable human beings. Exactly. And you know, it's funny because my daughter now is helping to run my wife's business. It's really cool to see her in there making decisions and doing all these things and changing the business and making it better and making it more efficient. And I can remember when she was, I would like to take her to school. She went to a a Montessori school around the corner, which Mm -hmm. is a great experience. And um, I would get in there, I'd get in the line, you know, the whole line thing. And she'd be like, dad, can you drop me off like a hundred yards away from where you used to drop me off? Because, Because, you know, yeah. You know, it's it's not cool to be, you know, giving me the hug and all that stuff. And it just, yeah, it breaks your heart more, more, much more so than they realize. But I know it. I know it. But like you said, you hopefully raise these children that then can make these great decisions and progress businesses and run their own lives. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. In fact, let's talk a little bit about that. So many things we could talk about. You are an accomplished author, which I think is great. I've gone down that path. I think it's fantastic. Congratulations on your Wall Street Journal bestselling book. Thank Uh, you. It's called Trust Your Increments. And uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Great, great ideas in there. I have heard that you kind of grew up in a little bit of a blue collar family. Is that right? Absolutely. Yes. My father owned a roofing and construction company that he ran with my mother's father. And I I mean, I came from a small one stop like town. Everybody helped each other out. Everybody worked. Everybody, you know, traded if they had to trade. I was the same way. So I'm even everything I've written about is is all blue collar stuff. What do you think you took away from having those blue collar, those hometown values? And, and, And how did that help you in your business today? I think a lot about values in general, how to treat people, that a business is built off people and that the community that you built from a business or the business that's built off of the community, vice versa, that that is really the heart of it all. And if you can't get down to that and it's just dollars to you, then it's likely not sustainable. Let's let's just get back to that a little bit. You talked about the one light, one stop sign town. Tell us how you went from there to, I'm looking at what you've done. You took a company from 150 million, you, you increased it 20 fold to 3 billion. You, you started other ventures. You're now speaking around the world. You've written this book. 
talk us just through a little bit of getting from that from that small town to where where you are when you first started seeing success in the beginning there. You know, and when someone says it, like when you just say it out loud, as opposed to me copying and pasting my bio somewhere, I'm like, that is really cool. It is cool. I did some things, but really (laughs) most days I'm just here in my office chugging away and I still feel like that girl still in my small town. Uh, For me, we had three television channels, by the way, we didn't have cable vision and I saw the Radio City Rockettes on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And I just said, I'm gonna do that. It seemed fabulous. There were these beautiful women dancing precisely together in the greatest city in the world, which I didn't know it was the greatest city, but it looked pretty cool on TV. Oh, for and sure. I, yeah. yeah, and I thought, that's what I'll do. And I declared it at three and I, you know, I grew up in a town where your word mattered. And I always told people that's what I was gonna do. And I remember the time in my life where people started saying, but what are you really going to do, Laura? And I was like, what do you mean? I've said this my whole life. I'm really going to do this. And so then I I knew I had to. Like I was like, I have to commit and do this. And so I did. I and I loved it. I was so, so blessed to be able to see my childhood dreams come to fruition. And I think that that really is where I got my confidence from because I thought I've been chasing this for decades. You know, like, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's add a little vision to that. So, you know, whether it's Tiger Woods in golf or whether it's Michael Jordan in basketball or, or even what you've done or what I've done, you saw this really early on. And and I think that picture reinforced, you know, I was talking to Jarek Robbins the other day. He's the son of Tony Robbins. And one of the things that he said was, you can't believe how powerful your brain is. And the science behind vision is such that the more you see something, the more these little, I don't want to get too deep in the woods, but the more these mm-hmm. little neurotransmitters go faster and faster and faster. And then pretty soon they lock into a thought process where you actually believe that you are already that thing or yes. you already own that thing or you've acquired that thing already. And then your actions subconsciously in your body kind of take over and they create the path to getting that thing. Is that how you feel you you did with this Radio City Rockets scenario? It is. And I talk a lot. There's a statistic that shows that 95% of all winning is done by 5%. 95% of all winning. And the one thing they have in common is mindset. They believe that they will win the whole time. And that is, I believe in myself, not because I think I'm the best. I'm not. There are so many people that are better at me than absolutely everything I do. But No one is going to outwork me or work smarter than me. I am always learning. I am always betting on myself to be better tomorrow than I am today. And I deliver on my promises to myself. I show up every single day for myself because if I don't, who's going to? Yeah, exactly. So in that light, I read this study. And in fact, it's even, I I write about it as well. Virginia Tech study, they took a hundred people in a room. They said, okay, raise your hand if you have a crystal clear goal right now. Only 20% of the people, 20 of the 100 said that they did. They said, okay, now let's take you 20. We'll get rid of the other 80. And they said, okay, now of the 20, how many of you have taken those goals and written them down somewhere? Only four had them written down. So you're talking four of 100, right? Mm -hmm. And then they said, okay, of the four of you that have it written down, how many of you have it posted on your wall somewhere where you can see it every day? One person. So to your point, 
it's such an easy thing to do. It's such a, it's free to use the visual side of your brain. It takes no training whatsoever. You just focus on what you want, see it clearly and put it out somewhere. Do, do you find that that's something that most people just don't get? I mean, are they living so reactionary lives that they're not thinking about the proactionary part? Absolutely. And I also find with this overly technology, you know, driven world that we're in, CEO of a tech company right here, but people don't write things down anymore. They type them out. But when you write things down, your brain becomes more active in the process. There is this science behind writing it down, putting pen to paper, which is why, and I'll show you, we're on camera, but like I live off these notebooks and every one of my notebooks (laughs) has my goals for the year at the beginning. And then every other page are the steps I have to work every day to accomplish page one. Exactly. And this is something, I mean, why don't they teach us this in high school, Laura? What do you think? You know, it's the same reason why they don't teach us to do our taxes in high school. Yeah. <laughs> it's way too practical. Right. We cannot have all this success, except we can. You know, it's yeah. it's actually not that difficult. And that's what I say. It doesn't matter how wild your dreams are. I mean, make them be wild. What's the point of having dreams if they aren't wild, if they don't seem outlandish? I remember the first time, like when I made the Rockettes, that was me accomplishing, like I said, a decade multiple decade long dream. And that feeling that day, I can still remember exactly where I was standing when I got the phone call. I can still remember the sound of my father's voice when I called him to tell him, I get choked up thinking about it. Yeah, I can see that. I can see What a feeling. And I just thought, we did it. Even though my parents, it wasn't their dream. They didn't do it. They supported me the whole way. And they told me, as long as you do the work, the work is part of the process. And you can't just say, I want this. You got to do the work. Well, and how many times do people, and we'll talk about goals here. How many times do people not share that goal? Your parents were nothing more than someone to put their hand on your shoulder and guide you when you fell, when you tripped, when you you stumbled, when you said, I'm not so sure. No, you want this, Laura, you're going to go get this. And that's why I can see the emotion coming out on you because it, if when you share something with someone and then you get it, it's like you've all done it, right? Yes. It is. And then, you know, that's the whole point, right? If we don't have community, if we don't build something with us, like we could go do all these things alone in life. But what's the point? You're going to sit there the whole time and pat yourself on the back. I do that daily because, I mean, it's not anyone else's job to be my cheerleader, but my own. But also, don't you want to celebrate with your family and your friends and say, look at this, we did it. (laughs) Well, part of of celebrating, and and I have to tell you, I did see the the Rockettes and they did a 3D thing yeah. one year for Christmas. And it was so wild because we all had these glasses on and they were <laughs> doing their thing and things were coming mm-hmm. at us. And we were, it was part of a celebration for something we had done at work, which is really, really cool. Yeah. And um, I've said this a million times and I, I think this speaks to leadership because I started with a company with six people and I built it to 200 and, and we're still growing. And wow, one of, one of the things that I've always said is I can't get what I want for myself, nor can my company get what it wants or needs until all of you get what you want first. And I truly believe that it's a linear input mm-hmm. versus output thing. And I, I believe that being selfish, and we're, we'll talk about entrepreneurship, is kind of a good thing as long as it's not at the detriment of others. I mean, working yes. for yourself first and your company second, what do you think about that? You know, I, I've always believed in teamwork. I don't ever say I'm the boss of JVZoo. I think that's silly. I'm on the team yeah. at JVZoo. Um, I happen to call the plays, right? But we work as a team. I could never do it by myself. This is this company is around the world 
I'm one person and I have to sleep. And not only that, but there are just things I'm not very good at doing. So I have to hire people that are excellent at doing those things. And one doesn't work without the other. One of my first jobs in New York City, I was a manager at a gym. I managed the personal trainers and they offered bonuses to fitness managers that hit their goals. And I hit my goal every single month because I took my bonus and I went to my team the first time they offered it. And I said, Hey, guess what guys, if I hit this goal, I make this many thousand extra dollars this month. What do you guys get? And we're like, nothing. I said, now you do. Cause we're going <laughs> to split this. Not anymore. So every time. Yeah. Every time I hit my bonus, we hit our bonus. This is what we do with the money, right? We split it all up and I never missed. I never, ever missed until they took it away because they said, it's not fair. This fitness manager always wins. And I was like, no, my team always wins. Well, no other manager did that. that, that that's a great transition to where I want to go next. I want to talk about women in starting their own companies. And, and, and the reason mm-hmm. I feel so strongly about this is first off, I think women, first, you know, I don't know if you know this, but women are great welders. I mean, let's just go blue collar real quick. They're some of the I most patient, it. most patient, most detailed people. And and they they can start their own companies and, and do great things. I've encountered a lot of people who've started their own skilled trades businesses that uh, that that were women that um, are doing, they're doing just amazing things. Sometimes mm-hmm. I think that if we had more women in charge, there'd be a lot less wars. And if there was one, it'd be over in 15 minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So when you talk about women in the business world, one of the things that you say is know your strengths. Can you, so for someone who just wants to start out, maybe they're a little fearful or whatever, they're just starting out wanting to open their own business. What do you mean by know your strengths? Well, I think it's really important to know the things that we are good at doing. And if you aren't good at doing something that's a requirement for a business, maybe it's accounting, maybe it's legal. These are very easy things right at the beginning of your business to outsource. So know what you're good at doing. Keep getting better at those things. Perfect them as much as possible because the world and business is always changing. So what might work this month may not work next month. You're never going to be perfect day after day after day. So keep working and building those things. Know and be confident that you are always learning and improving on those things. But then outsource, hire the people you need to round out your business. And so many times people say, but I'm just getting started. I don't have the money. You can outsource so inexpensively these days. Right. It's, you know, it's actually mind blowing how inexpensively we can outsource quality work. When I think of what you just said, I think of you might say you can't afford to, but I think you can't afford not to because mm-hmm. if you're building a team around you that has an entrepreneurial outlook they're going to help you drive that company way further than you can do it on your own. I mean, we're, we're one person, like you just said. I'm a huge believer in that. If you stood me in the parking lot with all 200 people and you asked someone, hey, go pick out the boss, I wouldn't want them to pick me out. I mean, that, right. would, be a, that would be an insult to me. Right. So th- the fact that you you can create a group of people around you who will say, wait a minute, Laura. So so what you're saying is if we help you drive this business from X to Y, you're going to give us part of that Y? Really? Mm-hmm. Now we're right. on to something here because, because now I can say to myself, I can get what I want for myself with and through Laura's company. I can build my life through her company. I don't have to go take the ultimate risk of buying two dozen dump trucks that like I have or all the different things that I have to do. Yeah. And I can still win, right? 
That's right. And that's the thing too, is like understanding not everyone wants to run a business, right? There are plenty of people out there that do not want to run a business. But if you do have the entrepreneurial spirit, there's no reason why you shouldn't. Great, great point. And and you must, it's almost like you read my next question because people will say to me, oh, you're lucky. You know, I've, I've been on a bunch of podcasts. I've been on a bunch <laughs> of media things. Oh, you're lucky. You're one of those entrepreneur guys. Well, okay, here, here's a crayon and a piece of paper. Draw entrepreneur for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can't because yeah. it's just a term. Mm-hmm. Entrepreneur at what? Okay. Well, maybe I can get closer there. Okay. Yeah. How, how does, um? you got some gal that wants to start her own company. And she believes that she's good at got she's good at something, or she has something that she wants to to focus on. How does she know she's entrepreneurial? Oh, that's a great question. I think it, do you want to take responsibility, not just for yourself, but for the business and others? Because if you don't want that weight on your shoulders, and if, especially if you want to turn off time, entrepreneurs don't generally have a turn off time, and businesses don't either. Because even if the, you have a business that's a brick and mortar where the door closes. You're still thinking all the time and there's still customers that may or may not have an issue and you need to be finding the problems before the customers do so it doesn't become the customer's issue. It's just all the time. You're washing your hair in the shower. You're still thinking about it all the time. So more than likely, if you've got that spirit, you already kind of know deep in your soul, you know, I can't turn it off. I want to run this business. I think I've got what it takes. So one of the things that I would add to that is, I believe that an entrepreneurial person is made up of several characteristics. And there are things like persistence and resilience and faith and courage and humility mm-hmm. and generosity and simplicity and vision and those types of things. Mm-hmm. But I also think every one of us has that inside of us once we know what we want to get out of this, out of the experience. So the first question I ask somebody is, well, why do you want to be an entrepreneur? Well, like, what's in it for you to do that? What's your win look like? Well, I'd like to build my life to look like this. Aha, now we're on to something. Specifically, you'd like to experience these types of things. I know in particular your case, you like to travel, right? I do. I love it. Love it. I I love it as well. So what are the things that, what are your wins? And once you get that really clearly, I think a lot of those characteristics just kind of like come awake inside of people. But without those things, it's just, it kind of stays in hope and dream and wishland, right? It definitely does. And, you know, I think, too, that there are people, too, that just they have to get up and do, you know, like I'm not going to sit back and think about it. I'm going to get up and do. I'm one of those people just like in my home life. I'm never really just sitting around. My dad says to me all the time, why don't you just sit down? Like, don't you want to sit down? And I'm like, no, there's (laughs) things to do, Um, you know. So um, not every entrepreneur is like that. But I think you're you're generally working it out, thinking about it and planning things. And are you an action taker? And if you aren't, but you want to be, the way to become an action taker is take the first step. It's the same way we build confidence. We, we take the action towards what we want to accomplish. And the more we repeat it, confidence muscle is, you know, it's a, it's a muscle. You got to build it up. And that way you start believing in yourself because, hey, I've started doing these things and, oh, I did do them. You know, it doesn't matter if you don't do them perfectly. You just keep doing them over and over again until you get them right. So you talk about, I've seen this on your on some of your stories, that you don't always have to be an overly educated person to be an entrepreneur. In fact, so many people think entrepreneurship is, you know, because of college educations, right? Or yeah. the result of, I can tell you that's not in my case. I didn't spend a month in a college, okay? 
but I knew I, I knew what I wanted. And I think that was the driving force. I think that was the thing for me. Talk about why you think college is a waste of, of money for some people, because I'm in the same exact boat you are. I think if you have a specific thing, you want to be a surgeon or a lawyer, or you want to be a, a engineer, or architect or something mm-hmm. like teacher or whatever. Talk about why you think college for some people is a waste of money. Because you can find ways to educate yourself anywhere. And this, you know, time in our lives, it's on our smartphones. It's just asking the person down the street who already knows how to do it. It's communication, finding out the information. You don't need to sit in a classroom anymore. You know, it's my age group. We're the generation who did what we were supposed to, right? We yeah. we went to college, yeah. we got the degrees, and most people had more debt than they could pay off, and they didn't get the jobs that gave them the money to pay off their debt. So that's proof that it doesn't always work. I'm glad that you said there are certain careers that cert- definitely need it because there were people very angry with me on TikTok that was like, yeah, I want to be a doctor it's telling me I don't have to go to college. No, I'm not saying that. Come on, let's have some common sense. People. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you've got to pass the bar, you might want to go to law school before you take the bar. Sure. But <laughs> yeah. You know, to run your own business. And there's so many types of businesses in the world and you can gain knowledge any and everywhere. And I think one of the best ways of gaining knowledge is to ask thoughtful questions. Yeah. For sure. You know, I, I got the same pushback. One of I, I've been on a whole bunch of podcasts, and as I know you have. And one of the things that I said, look, at, if you're going to be a surgeon, OK, and you're going to come at me with a knife and work on my shoulder so I can get back on the golf course. I want you to know everything there is to know about that knife before you come after me with it. I, I totally get that. And college mm-hmm. is perfect for that. I mean, you've got yes. to learn, got to go to med school. You got to do all those things. But to, to your point, there are some people out there. Oh, but there's the experience. And, you know, you can you can, you know, gain interpersonal relationships and okay, fine. There's a lot cheaper way to do all that stuff. If that's all the real reason you're going, I mean, if you're going there to be good at beer pong, well then yeah, have at it. Um, but <laughs> that's, that's a very expensive lesson to take. I so agree. In your book, and we're going to get to this now, it's, it's, it's called trust your increments. What, what is an increment by the way? A small step incremental steps forward that progress upon one another to build up to something. So why are we trusting them? I I love the definition, but why are we trusting them? Because you need to trust, and I I firmly believe this, you need to trust that your small actions that you do towards your defined goal, hopefully written at the front of your notebook or somewhere that you see it daily, that those small actions you take are going to compound upon one another to get you to that big goal. And don't you believe, and I know you do, because this is something I live by every day. Don't you believe that beginning with the end in mind, what that picture is, whether it's 30 steps or 50 steps or Mm -hmm. three years worth of steps, which is 156 steps. Don't you believe that that knowing what the end game is clearly and having it defined perfectly and having it written down and, and committed to and shared and don't you believe that that's what creates the trust? Absolutely. It doesn't matter how many times you have to take a detour from your original plan. You still know where you're going and the final destination. Yeah, we did this a long time ago. This was kind of a, it's a travel thing. I know you love travel. So my buddies and I decided to go to Scotland to play golf and none yes. of us could afford it. This was a long time ago. So this was like a $5,000 thing. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, what if we put it out like three years from now and we we just saved a little bit of money every week? I think it was like $1,600 mm-hmm. 
we had to save 30 bucks a week or something we had to save for three years to go to Scotland. And we did that. And we put money on our credit cards so we could get miles, you know, off the off the uh, the plane tickets. And we did all these things. But we lived three years of anticipating this amazing trip. It cost us 30 bucks a week. And I think most people, they don't get the, the math that, wow, I could I could just put my goal out a little further and make it mm-hmm. for sure to the point where all I have to do is breathe and I'm going to make that happen. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's true when they say the time's going to pass anyway, right? So right. are we just letting the time mindlessly pass or are we working towards these things in life that we want? Because I, for one, never, ever want to be looking back on my life thinking, gosh, I wish I would have done that. That just seems horrible to me. It's, you know, what a wasted life. I want to be the one that says, maybe I shouldn't have done that one. Right. Um, <laughs> but that to me is a far better regret in life to have than to, what if? What if I would have done the things I wanted to do in life? I'm going to do them. I'm going to do them. I'm going to learn from them. And, you know, I... I wanted to be a Radio City Rocket in New York City, the most prestigious dancer and dance contract in the world when I lived in a one stoplight town with a cotton field in my backyard. I graduated with 17 other people. There was not even a grocery store in my town. We went 45 minutes to drive to the nearest movie theater. So, you know, that seems like an outlandish goal. And yet I accomplished that in my 20s. And I've gone on to do so much more and especially when I was a rocket, people would come up to me all the time and say, oh, this was my childhood dream. I always wanted to be a rocket. And so many times I thought, why weren't you? Why yeah. weren't you? You know, because you probably were more talented than me. Well, where was the disconnect? I mean, at some point, you know, when someone says I always wanted, that's another word that I'd really like to define. It's hard to define, right? It's hard yes. to draw that because and what level of want was that? <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly right. Where, where did that want break down? Because if you really, really wanted to, you probably would have, right? That's right. And I think too, though, people fear having big dreams. I fear not having them. So here's a fun fact for you. Did you know that only 14 out of every 100 adults describes themselves as happy? That's a pretty low number. The question you have to ask yourself is, are you one of those lucky few or do you feel like there's more to life out there? I've been fortunate to work with some brilliant course designers to create a course that will help you define and build comfort, peace, and freedom in your life. I call it the path, and it is a great way to help you identify what you really want out of your life and to develop the skills necessary to go get it. When you join the course, not only will you receive a digital copy of my Wall Street Journal best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, but you'll also get lifetime access to the best goal-setting tactics that I have used to turn myself into an effective, goal-oriented machine and take control of my mind, my money, and my life. All of this great information is normally available to you at $129. However, for you amazing listeners of today's podcast, you can get lifetime access to the path for just 99 bucks. And if you do it today, I'll do you one better. Get involved now and I'll actually donate a free course and a free book to any one of your choosing. So you can not only change your own life, but help someone else in the process. And what could be better than that? So just use the link in today's show description and the discount code podcast to get started. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. 
We're talking with Laurel Kasseman today. You are an accomplished author, which I think is great. Congratulations on your Wall Street Journal bestselling book called Trust Your Increments. And one of the things that we're talking about is how people can get over the fears to open up their own companies, specifically have um, women who, who, are, who are great business owners. I mean, I, I've, I've dealt with many of them. They're, they're just great business owners and they're creative and, and they're patient and they have great mm-hmm. ideas. And I, I just think this is a really great thing to help. So talk about the fear a little bit. You do mention about the old boys club. And I, I have to mention, there's a there's a gal in our town that she recognized that the gravel delivery business was overrun by the good old boy network, but yet yes. there wasn't enough supply and demand. There was a lot of demand, not enough supply. So she's five foot tall and she put on a hard hat and she went out and bought her first dump truck. And then she bought another one and another one. And now she runs like a dozen of these dump trucks and she's in their world. And I love her. And I I've interviewed her and I've talked to her and she's even been in one of my commercials and I I just love the whole thing. So talk about the fear and how to overcome the, the stigma of the old boys club, if you would. Well, I think for women, the fear is twofold. One is that they do fear the old boys club or that they're not going to be al- allowed into certain industries or if they do go into some, they're going to be sexually harassed or just not being allowed to speak, which happens all the time still. like It blows my mind yeah. that it happens, but it does. So there's that side. But then women also fear what other women will think of them if they do this. Oh, and wow. what, what will other women think if I fail at this? Uh, for me, I'm like... We have to get over ourselves to a certain extent. Not everyone's sitting there watching us. In fact, most people aren't. Most people are so busy with their own lives and their own fears and their own things they have to take care of. They're not watching you. So unless you're like an A-list celebrity that people are just obsessed with, likely people aren't watching you. And the few that are watching or waiting for you to fail, those are your people anyway. So why do you care? Let them judge you. (laughs) You know, I realized a long time ago that the people that would judge me the harshest are people that I was acquainted with. They were not my people. They weren't my friends. And they were acquaintances. And and it was okay. They knew me just enough to be like, oh, I knew she couldn't do that. Oh, I knew she would fail at that. And I have failed so many times. But I've also accomplished so much because I stopped living my life for those that weren't my people. Those you know, aren't my people. Yeah, it's it's amazing because the obvious side to me was like we just talked the old boys club and 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 even she with the dump trucks. I remember she her getting she said I used to go on some job sites and I'd get some looks like like who's this person, you know? And yeah. and now she's a force to be reckoned with, which I I, I think again I I love it. fantastic. But I, I never really realized it's it's I think it's less obvious to me that the second part of that, where you said some of the some of the gal people in, in your life might you you fear that. Can you get into that a little bit more? I think you know too, you see a lot of women that if they do want to start something on their own, they'll do um an MLM. That's an easy thing, an easier thing for women to get into. So let's just say one I can think of right now is Rodan and Fields. So say they'll go and sell Rodan and Fields. And suddenly, if you're Facebook friends or Instagram friends with them, you'll start getting all these messages. So if you're high school friends, especially if you're in your 30s, your 40s, and your high school friends that you still keep in touch with, start texting, oh, did you guys get this message? Don't join in on that. Don't do that, ladies. Like that person's out there trying to make an honest dollar. And there is respect in anyone trying to make an honest dollar. And so I think a lot of times women fear that, oh, these people that I don't actually keep in touch with, but we're still friends on Facebook are going to judge me. 
So what? I know people that sell Rodan and Fields and they make over $250,000 a year doing it. That is nothing to bat an eye at. That is, you go girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and it's, it's, um, that leads to the stigma because you were talking about, I think you talk about in the book, how hustle is stigmatized. What, what, what do you yes. Mean? Oh my goodness. So, and it, it makes me laugh because I get a lot of, I get a lot of comments on social media about this as well. People are, are in this general hustle culture's bad time right now. And I am a big supporter of hustle culture. It's the same as the early bird gets the worm. The person that's hustling is always going to win because while you're resting or while you're saying that's bad for me, I'm only going to work five hours a day now, that person that's hustling is going to win. And that person that says, I believe in myself, I'm committing, I'm going to hustle for me today, whether or not they win every day, they're going to have enough wins that add up to make them win. Where in the hell did that come from, Laura? I mean, what 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 planet did that get born from, right? I just don't get it. And we're seeing, you know, this time we're seeing a lot of generational differences. And while I understand, like for me as a female, there've been a lot of things published over the last year that women no longer want to break through the glass ceiling, that women want to walk out of the building altogether and they want to give up on that fight. And while I understand it pains me because of the generations before me that have fought because of the fighting that I have done during my career and because our daughters don't deserve to start from zero. Well, yeah. And do you think it's because some of those ladies don't quite see their future clear enough? Is that is that part of it, you think? I think that social media has so many bonuses, but it can also be such a bad thing. Absolutely. And I think that people look at these devices and they are like, oh my gosh, look at this person living their best life. And if I can't have that, it's not fair. I wish we could remove that. It's not fair. Life isn't fair or unfair. It's indifferent to all of us. And it's what we do with what we've got. And every single person on this planet has the choice consistently throughout life. Do I pick myself up today or not? You know, I said this just yesterday, and this is a thought that popped into my head. You mentioned how when you look on, on social media, all you're seeing is someone's best moment, right? Mm-hmm. You're not seeing the rest of their life. You're seeing their best possible moment, and you're trying to compare yourself to that. I almost think that the AI thing, and, and you have a really great version of this on your Instagram, <laughs> where you talk about the different ways that it's manipulated you. and whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's really funny. Thank you. But- but I almost think AI, if there's one good thing about AI, it might convince people that half of what you see on the internet now or on so- social media is fake. Yes. Right? So maybe they yes. shouldn't put so much stock in what everybody else has because half of it might not even be real, right? Exactly. And so many of the people that are out there and selling coaching and claiming these large numbers have nothing to back it. And they haven't made those large numbers. And people are just like, well, that person has a hundred thousand followers, but those followers aren't buying. And that's one of the things people need to realize is that like, we can all say lots of beautiful things, but that doesn't make them true. It's just like, just because it's on the internet doesn't make it factual. We have to have a a, a little bit of like discrepancy in the way we judge things and understand that that's just the newest form of the movies, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I want to, before we leave and, and, and get into a little bit about the book, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was, I, I've said this and people look at me like, hmm, I'm not quite sure I get what you mean there. Okay. So work with me, Laura, on this. Okay. okay. 
I've said sometimes, you know, this this relates to job and joy. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've said that sometimes it's not so important what you do for a living as it is what you do with what you do for mm-hmm. a living. Yes. Meaning, you know, nobody ever rolled up into my driveway and saw what I've accomplished. I mean, I'm a ditch digger. That's that's what I've been my whole career. I have I have a, a company full of people that go around and clean up old, wet, smelly basements. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not the most glamorous thing, but it really does the job from a financial standpoint, right? Sure. So no one ever rolled into my driveway, Laura, and said, man, what degree do you have? I mean, looking around, seeing what I've accomplished okay. and said, they might ask me, well, how did you grind this life out? I'm I'm happy to tell them that part of it, right? Mm-hmm. So, so when you hear what I've said, maybe it's not so important exactly what you do for a living, but more important, what you do with what you do for a living. How do you react to that? Well, I agree. And I think it's very similar to me saying you don't have to love what you do as long as what you do affords you to do what you love. It's so similar. I think people put way too much weight in this like, you know, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Oh my gosh, yes, you will. <laughs> yes, you will. You will yeah. work and you can love something. Like I loved the Radio City Rockets and I worked so hard. I took ice baths every single day just so I could walk the next day. You yeah. know, like, yeah. so I think that there's this idea that there is a life that we can create that is pain free and pays us all this money. And then there's just going to be all these flashy lights and accolades and, you know, it's going to be paradise. Right. And that's not true. And if it did exist, we wouldn't know we were in paradise because we wouldn't have anything to compare it to. Well, and that's the best that's that's the best part about it right there. I mean, if if you grew up under a rainbow every single day, then when the rainbow comes out, it's not special anymore. Right. Absolutely. And that's why when I talked about I remember the day I got that phone call and it was Radio City calling, telling me I had made the Rockettes. I knew how hard I had worked. I knew all the steps I had taken to get there. I knew all the failures that had led to there. I knew the people that watched me cry when, you know, that was my parents when no one else knew that I had walked out of an audition. I actually write about the one time I walked out of an audition, but no one else knew it. You know, I didn't share that with people. They knew my darkest moments and we got to the goal. And that's the thing. If I was given the goal, straight out the gate, it would have never have felt as glorious as it did. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced of that. And that that's why I say, should we not let the law of supply and demand kind of work because it's a beautiful thing unless you mm-hmm. manipulate it in some way? And that's why a lot of times when people ask about opening a business, I'll say to them, well, why don't you look around your community and see what everybody else isn't willing to do? Mm-hmm. Okay, let, let's find out what everybody else is not doing. Because if there's a demand for that and no one's willing to do it, there's your golden goose right there. Okay. Get in there, be really good at it. You can take any company, any product. I mean, we're we're up to our our knees in, you know, sludge and broken concrete and jackhammers and tar. And but we take the culture here and we make it fun and we we Mm -hmm. rock and roll and we food and we accolade and we vacation and we bone. We do all these amazing things, silly things. But we turn that into a really fun place to work. And I, I just want people to understand if you want to open your own business and you want to open a business where it's not what everybody else is doing because it isn't the most beautiful, sexy thing out there, you can create a really awesome culture around doing that. 
and make a fortune at the same time, right? Absolutely. And in fact, the, you know, I run technology companies, but the businesses I'm looking at investing in now or either acquiring on my own are not glamorous. They're not glitzy. They are dirty because there's not enough people doing those jobs now and there's money to be made in them and yeah. there's people to employ and people need those jobs. I talked to a guy yesterday who said, you know, I teach a bunch of car mechanics in New York City. I said, okay. And he said, because car mechanics in New York City at 30 years of age make 150 grand a year. Nice. There's a lot of people coming out of college with four-year degrees and 200,000 in debt that won't make 70. And That's so, right. yeah, you you really have to be, you have to look around you and say, okay, what, what needs to be done around here? And, and can I get good at doing it? So love the book. What I love most about your book is when I read it, I hear your voice. <laughs> and people have said that about me because I, I I have no training. I have no college. I've got nothing. I just started scribbling notes on a sheet of paper and got really lucky. But I hear your voice when I read it. And I think that's really cool because you speak, you speak in Laura terms, right? Yes, that's true. I wanted to write it as if I was talking to a friend. And in fact, I talked to my two best friends. I said, these are the chapters I'm going to write. What do you think? And then they told me the chapters they felt I was missing. So we added them in. And then when they read it, they said the same thing. I can hear you talking to me. Yeah, that's a huge compliment. I, I really enjoy it. And um, when did you when did you decide to be an author? Was that something you woke up and said, I'm doing this? Or did it just kind of happen? I knew I was going to write it. I didn't know if I was ever going to do anything with it. In fact, I wrote it um, before my daughter. I was even pregnant with my daughter. And she's going to turn three next month. And it came out this last March. So the book's been been written for a while. And there were a few things changed in the book once she was there because I talk about, you know, I, I have, I'm not even thinking about having children. And then the book is published when I have a child. Right. Um, it, I just I needed to get it out. I didn't know if I was going to do anything with it. Did it take you a very long time to write? It did not. Um I did it, of course, when I was running companies and traveling all over the world and I would write a chapter at a time, but it was pretty easy to flow through because I, I had been thinking about it for so long. So I remember that I started writing my book after my daughter got sick. She she had a pretty serious illness for five years and her mother and I went through that. And I know you've gone through that as well. It's it's tough to to be a parent and, and have, I don't care who it is, it's tough yes. to have a family member go through something like that. And she's fine now, but it inspired me to, to to write about what I thought was really, really important in life. And um, so who's your reader? Who who should read this book for you? Well, it definitely plays towards women because I write about the business world from my perspective as a woman, but it can go towards anyone because the whole thing is, hey, life is not going to hand you exactly what you want. So how do you get to what you want in life while maintaining a positive attitude? Because Man, it can life can try to suck it out of you, but what's the point in going through it if we're going to be grumpy and angry the whole time? <laughs> right. You talk about follow the rules until you can change them. Can you put a little bit of that out real quick? Because I love that. Yes. Well, I learned at a much younger age that every time I was trying to say like, well, that's really sexist or that's unfair to do that, like in this meeting or to talk over me, that that wasn't working and that I was considered disruptive and a problem. So instead, I thought, let me be quiet. Let me play by the rules. Until now, I am in a position, I run companies now, and I make sure that my people are paid for the work that they contribute, regardless sure. of their sex, and that they are treated equally and fairly and like decent human beings, as we just all should do anyway. Yeah, it's amazing because 
again, going back, I, I would think that if I looked around my my own office, the managers, the 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 lead people, the the controllers, the I mean, they're all women. And and it's because they're they're consistent, they're hardworking and they're worth it. And mm-hmm. they, the, 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 you know, what we pay them is great and they love it. And I, I just think it's it's awesome to have, especially in the type of business we're in, because, again, I've got, you know, dump trucks and tow motors and stuff running all over ah. the place. And yet the, the, the gals in the office are doing just just such amazing work you know, kind of driving the thing forward further than I could drive it myself, which is, which is just, just awesome. So I love it. Don't you love that? You've got this team that sees the vision with you and they are like, we get the destination. We're headed there together. Well, and and that's the one thing that I wanted to make sure that you and I talked about, because for someone starting their own company, you have to get to surround yourself with an entrepreneurial ring of people as fast as you possibly can, Yes, because those folks, they get it. They're in it for themselves first and you second, which is okay. And they they help you drive this thing further than you could go yourself. And then you're sharing the rewards with them. I and mean, we, we do this annual trip every year to some exotic island where we hand out the bonus checks. And it's something that they probably wouldn't book themselves, but you know, we kind of get them to these places. And there's just so much power in the collective of that. And they can't wait to get to the next year so that we can drive it further so we can go visit some other place. And we've been doing it for years now. And it's it's just such a familiar, almost a like family type thing yeah. that I encourage anyone who's opening a company, you got to get to that. Say, let go of the ego. Forget yes. about the fact that you you need to be boss and you need to fix everything. You need to repair everything. You need to drive everything. You know, become irrelevant to the day-to-day workings of your company so you can remain a visionary, right? Isn't that important? So important. And also, it's so important to share the vision. I've seen too many bad managers or bad business owners that think, oh, this is for me to know. They don't need to know. They just need to do what I tell them. Well, that is absolutely silly because you should be hiring intelligent people to tell you how to get there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly right. So what's next? You know, Wall Street Journal bestselling author. I know what that feels like. How'd that go over for you when you found out? Super cool. I'm not going to lie. I was in New York City when I found out. I had yeah. just been in Times Square, saw myself on a billboard. You know, I lived there 11 years and avoided Times Square like the plague. So then going into Times Square to see myself. There was also a um, high school group from California there. And they all recognized that I was standing there and I was all on the billboard. And so they all started jumping up and down and cheering with me. Oh, wow. It was just a sweet, sweet moment. So I got to put that in my bank of memories and look on. And now it's kind of back to how do I support my team? How do we get to the next level together? Because that's one of the biggest things is when I got this accolade of Wall Street Journal bestseller, the first thing I did was send it to my team and say, we did this. Yeah. You know, like I didn't do that. It's cool that my book, my name is on the book, but my team did this. We did this. Yeah. Well, look at where you got all of your ideas from and where you got a lot of that from. It's from your experiences and the people that have done those experiences with you, which I think is just fantastic. So yes. where can people find you? I mean, it, that's a dumb question. They can find you everywhere. You just type in Laura <laughs> Castleman and you're literally everywhere. But where would you want people to go to get the book? Yeah, the book is anywhere you normally buy your books. And I'm just big on find the cheap, cheapest shipping, guys. It's so different depending on where you live. So yeah. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, wherever is going to give you the best deal, go and get the book from there. And if you are out and about, I'm going to be at the Book Thinkers event in September on the 7th. I would love to talk to you. That's in Columbus, Ohio. 
And I am always open to helping people. So if you send me a thoughtful question, I absolutely will respond, whether that's my website or my social media. That's fantastic. And, and again, when, when when you read her book, when you read Laura's book, you have to go to Amazon and leave her a good review. Okay. That's very important. I know how important that is. So you're going to love this book. You're going to love it. You're going to use things out of it. And then you're going to leave her a nice review on Amazon. So we know how important those things are. The last thing I need to ask you is one of the things that I've, I've concluded in my life is that everyone has their own nirvana, their own version of what their perfect life could look like. And I ask them to draw that up and to put it up on the wall and to go after it one small piece at a time. And as you said, every increment is important. And you can trust that once you start getting down the path to those increments. So for me, I call it comfort, peace, and freedom. When when I was writing about my daughter, I was writing a letter to her. It was all about comfort, peace, and freedom. Like that is a level that every one of us can have our own vision or version of, right? Yes. And these three words, just I couldn't get them out of my brain. So comfort, peace, and freedom, they just kept coming back. So just kind of a lightning round. I ask everybody this, where, where, and, and you can't use work. Okay. You're not, not allowed to use work in these answers. Okay. okay. Where is Laura Castleman the most comfortable? With my family. With your family. And is there a place or doesn't it matter? You know, like I said, I love to travel, but home is where my family is no matter where that location is. Perfect. So where would we find you being most at peace? Mm, by the ocean. By the ocean, any particular place? Well, I currently am in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, but the ocean, pretty much anywhere warm. I'm going to rule out cold oceans. Those aren't for me, <laughs> but, yeah, but I, anywhere that's warm. I'm, I'm with you there. I, I, for me, it's being on my boat on the ocean. That's just, yeah, or, or yes. even on the Great Lakes, just fantastic. Yeah, the, I was going to say, water works to any water, big body of water. Yeah, right. And then finally, where do you find yourself being the most free? Like where, where do you see yourself experience the most, the most like freedom for Laura? Oh God, that's multiple places actually. So when I'm with my girlfriends, like my true, my two hardcore girlfriends that at the end, I acknowledge them in my book, but like when I'm with them, I am 1000% me. Like it's past 100 in my opinion. Like I'm more free than when I think I am when I other times think I'm free or just when I'm dancing with my daughter, like when we put on music and we just dance and just, I, I think that I can create any great situation in any moment. If I just tell myself how wonderful is this? That's, that's fantastic. Well, I, I got to tell you, um, everybody out there, go get this book called trust your increments. It's by, uh, by Laura Castleman. And, uh, if you want to think about your, your future, whether you're working within an organization or you want to work for your own organization, build your own thing. A lot of great ideas in here. A lot of great um, things that you can actually, they're, they're practical. You can put them to use today to make your work life better. And um, I just want to thank you for being on the show today on the Comfort, Peace and Freedom podcast. And uh, it's been a blast talking with you. Uh, we have a lot of similar things in common the way we think. And uh, again, I wish you well and, and, and thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Well, there you have it. Some great information from some pretty amazing people. Thank you for taking time to listen to today's show. And I hope that you found some value in what you just heard. If this show positively impacted you in any way, Please take a minute to leave a positive review or share it with a friend who could benefit from the Comfort, Peace, and Freedom podcast. I'm Ken Rusk. Until next time, I'll talk to you soon.